What up, y'all? Welcome back to another episode of the Black Top Podcast. This is episode 43. Brothers, how we doing? First of all, though, can y'all tell me a player that wears the number 43 or wore the number 43? Pascal Siakam. Mm, that's a good one. I cannot tell you. Jersey numbers are a thing that escaped me. 43. Greatest buck to ever wear it. The NASA's haunted a Kumpo, I believe. But anyways... How yeah, we doing, boys? <laughs> yeah, Good, I mean, man. it's been a busy time. Yeah. Hell yeah. I mean, we're on the precipice of history, potentially. But before we got that, we're going to talk about the new coaches or new coach so far, the potential roster or the potential coaches that could find themselves on different rosters. We're going to touch on the Heat and Celtic series, which has been pretty fire to say the least. And then we're going to end off with, you know, just so uh, the Lakers fans can get their little shine, just to talk about a little bit of them at the end. But let's get right into it. So, coaches. There's a bunch of like on them on the market. It's a big little like we all know the cycle that goes on. You get a couple of assistants in there every now and then. But we had our first confirmed hiring, I believe, right? It's, it's only been the Bucks that have hired a new coach so far, right? Oh, no, no. Ime. Yeah, yeah Ime. Yep. But we already talked about that. But AJ Griffin Sr. is the new coach for the Bucks. Can't lie. Personally, as a Bucks fan, I'm very excited about it. He's coming from the Raptors, which, you know, Ruben knows. Very good system. Coming from that Nick Nurse tree, I believe. And just from it, the things I have saw, like the little clip I saw on Twitter is like, he's the kind of guy that doesn't necessarily take shit. He's the guy that, you know, straight shooter full-time, which I love to see. And I think a lot of Bucks Twitter was saying that this was a Giannis hire, to which, you know, regardless, I totally, I'm with that. You know, if, if this is a guy that's going to hold Giannis accountable, you know, I also saw another tweet that's like, this is a guy that's going to make sure he's not just practicing, you know, Euros. He's going to actually develop his post moves. And uh, if that's the case, man, I'm excited. But yeah, I, I think it's a good, it's a good shakeup. I hope they keep a majority of uh, the Bucks' uh, assistants, especially one like Charles Lee, who was on the precipice of being in that head coaching position, because, you know, I like our staff. Unless he gets a job. Unless he gets a coach. True. Staff, like he's another staff. guy who's on a... I, I'm, yeah. I would hate to see it because uh, I forgot where I saw it, but they were saying a big reason for the Bucks' struggles was losing Darvin Ham, to which I totally agree. I mean, we saw how great he was in the Lakers series to an extent. You know, had a solid first year as a head coach and dearly missed in... Uh, I forgot, was it Green Bay? Whatever. Milwaukee. Yeah. But regardless, man. I'm excited, you know, new things to see. It's going to be great to to see what he implements. I, see, I saw another meme where it's like, it's like when a person does an obvious thing, but they get like high praise for it. It's like saying that when AJ Griffin Sr. makes uh, any defensive adjustments. But yeah, I'm optimistic. I think there's definitely going to be some kind of growing pains, but I don't think it's anything the Bucks can't move past. But move on to it. Ruben, man. Steve Nash. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know, man. I, you know, I just want to make a comment about the Adrian Griffin thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Adrian has been an assistant in the league since 2008. And, um, like, he's been touted with a lot of really good, like, he's been touted with a lot of um, credit for helping with development with players. And I think that's, like you said, it's really important that he's going to keep players accountable. Um, he's also a people guy, right? Like, he's going to be a guy that keeps the locker room together. And, you know, multiple times this season where Nick Nurse just let him coach just for fun. 
Um, there's a lot of success there. He he tends to hold locker room together. That's from what I understand, and he has a good relationship with players. So, I think it's a perfect hire for a team like Milwaukee, who went through what they just went through, right? Mm-hmm. And you're trying to keep that squad afloat going into next season. Um, there's gonna be a lot of pressure on them. The sun, the the on the on the Raptors side, I think this the the Steve Nash thing. I'm surprised about. I think it's. Uh, I don't think they're gonna do it, and I don't think they should. Yeah, I feel like it's uh, just think, some kind of smokescreen. Yeah, I think it's a smokescreen. I also think that it's very much a, um, you know, uh, how do I say this? It's it's a PR move. Like, it's a marketing move, yeah. right? Like, trying to bring some, they're trying to bring some excitement to it. I will say that it's a good sign that they have gone as far as to even interview J.J. Redick because they're clearly trying to be open-minded to any coach for this position. And it's really difficult. The Raptors are in a really tough position because they don't know what direction they're going to go in at this point. Like, if they're going to stick with their core or if they're going to just straight up rebuild. And from what I understand, they called about the number four pick from Houston. I so if they go that, that yeah. route, if they go that route, like, we're, we're probably looking at a rebuild at this point. And so a younger coach that builds alongside of them, I, it would make a lot more sense. Um, so Steve Nash thing, if they hire him, I'll be really disappointed because I think he proved his time in Brooklyn that he just team he seems to struggle on the sideline when it comes to X's and O's and being able to understand like the flow of the game and adjust. And it's different as a player when those things are instinctual, but when you're a coach, those things have to be visual and like they have to be presented differently than like you in the game. So, and sometimes guys just don't get it. So um, if I were to pick between any of their PR like guys that they've decided to interview, I'd rather have JJ Redick just because like there's something about these innovative coaches coming from media, right? You look at Steve Kerr, um, you look at the even the past guys like Doug Collins and Mark Jackson for a number of years. Like there just seems to be some sort of pull for these guys and they've found success right away in the NBA. So I'd go with that. But if they stick with the core, I'd love a Monty Williams personally. So, I don't know. Clearly, I just named a bunch of things because the Raptors have no direction. Mm-hmm. So, I'd love to see them wait um, and see what happens with this season first before they make that hire personally. Um, another name I just saw this morning was uh, Jordy for Fernandez. Yeah. Is his last name. The, yeah. the assistant coach on Sacramento who was uh, given a lot of praise this season. Um and the past uh, couple of years, but like being a huge part of what Sacramento did this year. And uh, I believe he was the lead assistant on the Kings sideline. So um, yeah, they have a lot of options. I think Toronto has been the one that has had the most names in its coaching search so far, even as far back as Sergio Scariolo, like who's a Spanish national head coach. And he was on the assistant. He was an assistant during the uh, championship run. So yeah, a lot of names, man. It's tough to really put a name or put a finger on the Raptors' choice right now. I feel that. I mean, out of all the names, is there anyone that you're like the dream hire kind of thing? Well, I guess, yeah, I guess it depends, man. Like, yeah, okay, I have a dream hire. If Miami loses 0-3, give me Eric Spolster. <laughs> dude, I would go as far as to say that he might get let go. If they lose an own three deficit, but my argument to that was also they weren't supposed to be here. Mm. So I mean, 
I don't think they'll let go of Spo. I'm just saying that would be my dream hire if they could. But if would you're you, talking would about you settle for a Chris Quinn? I would actually. Mm. I would settle for a Chris Chris Quinn. Um, but if from the available names that have been mentioned, I think my dream hire, if you keep the core, it's Monty Williams. And I will go the unpopular pick if they decide to rebuild or go a different direction and go young. I would say JJ Redick. I like that. that I would just. I I was a, I was the kind of person who was a little on the fence with the JJ thing, but I think the more you kind of look into it, look at the pedigree he has, is obviously kind of like the ability to look at advanced statistics, but not necessarily let it take over. I think still has some kind of you know X's and O's to it. I, I think JJ has the potential, but yeah, yeah. 100%. And I, yeah, I mean, if I can say something, because I haven't mentioned anything yet, but um, I think JJ adds like a certain aspect of seeing the game from a cultural perspective. Yes. Like, yeah, he, that's a good he, point. He, he, he's very good at calling out players for who they are as players, like from a personnel standpoint, like knowing why someone is important, not because of statistics, but because of their attitude and because of what they actually bring to the floor. And I think it's very conducive and similar to like Steve Kerr in a lot of ways and why maybe he was so successful. I mean, someone who was like uh again like a top tier role player for years in the league and not necessarily seeing the league from like a a star standpoint, I think allows like the coaching in the further years to sort of be a little bit I guess seen with a better lens, like a more broad lens. Whereas with, I think with Steve, Steve, Steve Nash, you know, two-time MVP, I guess maybe you could argue that part of his skewed coaching comes from him thinking that Stars wins championships. And even, I, it makes no sense because obviously he hasn't won one, but I think that's probably the case if I had to guess. Yeah, I mean, I mean to that point, y'all, there has to have been somebody who's done like some kind of like big research on it, but y'all ever realized how some of, if not the greatest coaches of all time, majority of like the former player ones were all role player guys. 100%. Yeah. Because they see the game from a different lens, right? It's mm. like they've had to play a role so they understand what it takes. Like you're coached also much differently than a star player. Quite frankly, I'd go as far as to say like as a hot take that star players aren't really coached. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think that shows with how like the ones that do go into coaching not necessarily turning out to be all that good yeah exactly and i think it's just they have the understanding of the game is how they have to deal with different personalities like being able to tell a guy that hey you can't do this and you got to focus on this one thing and you got to be great at it and imagine being like kind of like um like tunneled into just one thing that you got to do like it's so easy to coach a star because you just say give him the ball and get out the way but when you worry about 10 11 other guys that have to fit into a specific role and they're limited in doing what they can on the floor and they don't have like all the freedom in the world that's a hard conversation to have like it's the same thing when you talk about like let's put it in dance terms like when we all started <laughs> like when you put when you put a good dude and like who feels like he's got the ability and you put him in the back line and he wants to shine on the front line like we all know how that is like we know that feeling like it's like, damn, bro, like I want to be up there, but I got to play a role in the greater, in the bigger picture of what this mm. thing looks like. So, I mean, 
It's all the same. It's a team game. That is a hilarious comparison, but I love it. Yeah, 100%. It makes sense, though, right? Yeah, no (laughs) doubt. But all right, just to end off this section, I'm going to name some of the vacant spots, and y'all tell me who you think would be, like, your your ideal coach for them. Started right here. Sixers. Nick Nurse. Mm, I like I like the Nick Nurse. I think Monty would be another one I would take as well. What about you, Chen? Yeah, I, I think it's probably the same answer, Nick Nurse. I mm. think they just need someone who can hold Joa and be accountable for being, you know, a second round exit player. Oh, damn. He's the one guy that could probably make that roster work. I mean. In terms of development, that wasn't his forte, clearly. Because you can't sit here and say when he was the head coach that there was a great development project. But um, especially with all the young guys they had since that championship run. But one thing you can do is you can maximize like the talent pool that you have. And yeah. so um, with that team that they have with Joel, like, he'll be able to coach a star right away. It's just whether or not that relationship between them works, because clearly... Like Joel has taken multiple stabs at Nick Nurse, even publicly, but who knows? Like he's done that with other people, and then when they join his team, he's kind yeah, of all like. I, I feel like so. Joel is just a troll by nature, but like, yeah, hundred percent. Once you get into it, if you're on the same team, you know, it uh, yeah, it's all good. Phoenix Suns. I feel like this is the one where Nick Nurse is kind of the favorite right now, personally. Yeah, yeah. I feel like he. This is probably like I was gonna say. He's a favorite for this one, like you said, but I feel a better fit would be in Philly. But um, this one is an interesting one. I definitely think they need someone with experience, though. Can you imagine if uh, Monty went to Philly and Doc Rivers went to Phoenix? That would be insane. That'd be freaking hilarious. But um, I don't know if there's one that I would consider and say and be like, yo, for sure this this coach has to be on Phoenix, because I don't know if Doc Rivers is obviously the right guy. I think um, who, who the, were the finalists that they said? Because I know Nick Nurse was one. Oh, um, let me did let they me see. Charles it. Lee was in that search as well. Oh, uh, I'm looking right? it up yeah. right now, but I, from what I've seen, it's mainly like it, the guy is looking like it's going to be uh, Nick Nurse. Let's see here. Yeah. But while we do it's that, who do y'all like for the Pistons job? Chris Quinn. Mm, I like that. I think they need to go young. Chris Quinn, Charles Lee. Um, I thought they were going to be a front runner for Adrian Griffin outside of Milwaukee mm-hmm. because I think they need someone who's a culture setter in there. Um, so I thought that was going to be like their first move. But um, yeah, I would say Chris Quinn, someone on the younger side, maybe even Jordy uh, Fernandez. Yeah, I think that would be my pick because I just feel like the way that Sacramento plays ball, especially the this year, you yeah. could definitely translate a lot of that, I think, to uh, the Pistons, especially with the personnel they have. Because, I mean, you have two guys. Guard play. Yeah, supreme guard play. Jalen Duran, I think, is an underrated passer, and he's just overall an underrated player right now. And just I think their personnel matches up really well with how, uh, how that team runs specifically, especially if you're able to get a guy like maybe Cam Whitmore with their pick. You know, big body, yep. able to stretch the floor. The Pistons, I'm not going to lie, is probably one of the, if not, I'm not going to lie, like long term, I think it's probably the most attractive job. I agree. I, mm. Definitely the most attractive job. Outside of the Houston one, 
considering their pick and the young players they have. I would oh, yeah. actually go further and say Detroit's the better one because Cade Cunningham's coming back this year. I think that and Detroit still has some kind of foundation and culture because, I mean, you got guys like Alec Burks, Corey Joseph's there, uh, Boyan's still there. You got guys that are able to be that veteran presence, and obviously we all know the the stereotypes are, are you know, we all know how it is with Houston. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. But I... Um, what did they say about Phoenix? I can't remember. Yeah, so the Phoenix, that. the finalists are Doc Rivers, Nick Nurse, Frank Vogel, Jordy Fernandez, and their one of their assistants, Kevin Young. Oh, Kevin Young's name was circled around a lot of coaching jobs. Yeah, I remember seeing that. Kevin Young, I think, is an assistant who's going to definitely... If he doesn't get this job, I would not be surprised. He's another guy I can see getting that Pistons job. Yeah, agreed. Um, I I forgot that there's a name that I would love to see as a dream for Toronto, and it's uh, Becky Hammond. Mm, yeah, I'm seeing her name as well. I would love to see that. I want I want her as a Raptors coach. If there's gonna be a first time head coach, I hope it's Toronto that sets that precedent. Well, I mean, just like the whole culture of basketball is kind of taking that taking that route in Canada. Because I mean, y'all are. We're getting a they're getting a WNBA team in like Toronto soon, aren't they? Yeah, I mean like the the whole WNBA in Toronto what it was a couple of weeks ago was a huge success. Mm. So the game's growing there for the females. So I think that's, you know, I think it's just a great fit to like further move basketball culture in in Canada, but also like she's a brilliant mind, dude. Like the way she oh, coached yeah. the Aces this past year. I mean, like, the you, way you don't you don't get into the Hall of Fame just just by being just by being a normal person. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think like obviously her playing her playing like her her Hall of Fame career translated to the sideline, and that experience with like obviously she's a summer league champion. Like that's not an easy feat to do mm-hmm. too. Like she coached a whole summer league team. Obviously, she was on the uh, on the co- on coach pops. Yeah, bench. And that tree right? is that coaching le- tree. That tree is legendary. Legendary tree. So let's not sit here and act like Becky Hammond's not one of the best candidates that are, mm-hmm. that are there. Right, moving on from there, I, I think there's one person that needs to start this off. Christian, man, do you think history is going to be made? How have you been feeling since the total ass kicking they took a few weeks, a few Sundays ago? So I'm being honest. I like had a precedence that, like, okay, I'm not going to say be the one to say like oh i saw it going to seven like reverse sweep but i definitely knew like the celtics like have come too far and have the pedigree they have to not like be swept by the eighth seed team i thought it honestly was going to go to six i did think the heat were going to win not this game but the last game there like not based on obviously how the game turned out because the celtics dominated uh game five but um yeah if i'm not but i did think it was gonna end there is what i'm saying or game six it was gonna end there shit yeah 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 sorry um but i feel good i mean i think what i think they're the celtics are starting to do best and i think it's what they probably should have been doing all along is solving jimmy butler I mean, they haven't solved Jimmy Butler. He's obviously been best player, one of the best player, arguably the best player in the playoffs so far. Um, but I think they've definitely 
learn to at least like i guess calm the fire for what it is um, yeah i like that i like that yeah. the idea of calming the fire because we haven't necessarily had like a jimmy like game yeah especially yeah. considering game six well they, they think... were probably going to be the team that could that has the personnel yeah. to match up with jimmy exactly and that's and that's what i was thinking all along like i i don't understand what went wrong in translation obviously in the first two games like i did think all along that jason tatum and Jalen brown are literally the if any team were to have the personnel to guard a jimmy butler it'd be that team right um yeah but uh no i feel yeah. good going into this next game I don't, I don't really have any other words to put it but i think as long as the celtics you know play and trust into their personnel the way they kind of have been more um and not you know fully rely on jason tatum <laughs> with all due respect to my my favorite player in the nba um i think he could uh i think they should be able to take it home i do think history is going to be made Mm. yeah i'm not i'm not surprised like they could definitely i think there's a good chance they'll do it tomorrow i mean that the thing about the celtics is like it's literally been a trend all year where they've made the game hard for themselves and to the point like they're at rock bottom and they made the series so hard but there's something about the character of the celtics like their personnel and joe mazula who's been able to keep like an even keel mind like uh, head above water all the time is that they've been able to fight their way out of deficits and they've like, for some reason they make it harder for themselves, but they're able to overcome at some point, whether it's in the game or in a series of games, or it's been like bad stretches they've had this year. Um, but they've ultimately been the, like one of the best teams in coming in overcoming deficits. Um, so the fact that they took it to the extreme to be down zero three, and then they're going home for game seven. That's a lot of momentum to ride on. And I feel like they flipped the switch, right? Like the Celtics were also up in some of those games in the first three. And then, um, you know, they talked about it where it was like, sometimes when you play not to lose, you end up losing. And Jalen Brown talked about it in his post game conference with TNT. It's like you, when you, you tend to take your foot off the gas pedal a little bit, and that's when teams can sneak in, and a team like Miami's too good to allow that to happen. So you flip the switch, and Miami's been playing like the team that's too scared to lose, or you're playing not to lose, and you often take your foot off the gas pedal, and that's just kind of simple yet. I don't think there's any advanced metrics to this, because this has been a really hard-fought series. I think it's just simply one team has wanted it more, and one team is too afraid to make mistakes. So then you play hesitant, and you start turning the ball over, or you take bad shots, or you get caught up in like the 24 second violation or you make like mindless decisions. And I think that's what's happened all series long for both teams, which is why we're stuck with a freaking game seven. I love it though, man. Two best, two best words in sport, man. But I mean, if we look at it, let's just look at it from the statistics standpoint, teams are 0 and 150 and they're the first team to force it in two decades. And oh, Ruben, I don't know if you're going to like the sound of this, the Celtics are the first team to be at home with those like team that's come back from uh, 0-3 to force a game seven. But I'm not gonna lie, I, I think this series has been a great one. But I think when you look at Game Six, it was also like the Heat. Uh, how do I word this? The Heat should have been down by like 20. If I'm being real, if we look yeah. at how that game was playing, the the turnovers were definitely like the thing that held that at bay. 
But I will also say, not gonna lie, if it's not a playoff game with a game on the line, I love Jimmy. But let's be real, that was an offensive foul. He jumped right into him. But also, you know, basketball gods were watching. The greatest, outside of this game seven, the greatest words to ever be uttered in the game of basketball. Paul, don't lie, man. Basketball gods were watching. <laughs> Gave him back in 0. 0.7 follow. seconds. Huh? I still think it's a foul. You have yeah. to allow him space. You can't crowd. Well, I know. I think it's a foul on Horford. Well, you have to allow him space. True. But, like, I mean, when you look it. at when Jimmy shoots it, he's not going in a natural motion. He's, like, jumping it's not right a into natural it. shooting motion. It's yeah, definitely it. a 50-50 call. Yeah. It's, it's definitely it's not the kind you want to end a game on, especially as someone who's uh, been on the receiving end of Jimmy Butler gaming us through free throws. You know, it, it, it's an ugly way to win. A win is a win regardless. But I just think when you if it wasn't the the playoffs, that probably gets called an offensive foul. But you know, I mean, when you look at that whole game six as as well, I mean, everybody on the Heat came to play, except yeah. Jimmy and Bam. You know. Jimmy might have his 24 points, but it was on like 20 plus shots. I mean, you know, he had the timely buckets, but you just can't have that from your star player. I mean, you know, granted, Jimmy still had the balls to take the shots, but you could tell that, especially down the stretch, especially considering that they were what, four for 40 in the paint, something like that, something insane like that. Like, there were a lot of reasons the Heat should have lost the game. But, you know, they were able to fight back. They showcased that heat culture. But I just think, you know, when you look back at this series, if they do evidently lose this game seven, you're going to look at that game six as kind of like, obviously, it's the turning point in terms of, you know, tying the series. But also just from like a playing standpoint of like, you know, if Bam's just a little more aggressive instead of settling for these like turnaround mid fades and Jimmy's just a little bit more aggressive instead of just, you know, or a little bit more, you know, not necessarily smart because Jimmy's obviously a high IQ player, but in realizing that, you know, Robert Williams has had my number when it comes to going to the rim. You know, I got to change it up a bit. I, I think they're going to look to game six as like obviously the big one there, which, you know, you know, there was that big narrative that like whoever wins game six is winning this series. Obviously, one being the Heat would win it evidently, but man, going back to the garden, game I, I seven. Say, it's, it's tough though, man. Like, I don't know how. Because you could also say the same thing. I, like, I don't know how the Celtics won when they turned the ball over 12 times. Mm. They shot 7 for 35 from three-point range, and they were living with that all season long. Like, that's why I'm just, like, sitting here dumbfounded because we're talking about it now, and it's like, yeah. I don't know. I, it's crazy how they managed to win that game, and sometimes it's just, like, there's teams that just want it more in that moment. 100%. And, and also, did they ever explain why the clock went back from 2.1 to 3 seconds? Eric Lewis called it. <laughs> Which that They're is investigating a, him. That's eh? a whole nother. Yeah, that's insane. I, I mean, I'm not going to lie. We all saw that Lakers game. That was... Uh, we all saw the photos being pulled up. I think being caught with a burner as a ref is insane, though. That's that's that's, that's like otherworldly. <laughs> and have y'all seen the tweets? It's like yeah, it's not even like I guess for lack of it's not even like Twitter talk. It's literally like it's it's like one step away from being like dear 
<laughs> it's you know what I mean, yeah. like fully addressing it's using it, like, it like Reddit or something. Yeah, crazy, like, I, bro. On the wrong platform, homie. Real, and then I also think Twitter's. You know, you know, Twitter's not necessarily the place to go. When like you hear people say, "Oh man, I knew, I knew Eric Lewis was rigging it from the second they saw this thing," and it's not. I don't know the ref's name, but y'all, y'all ever seen that one where I don't know what game it was, but like Jimmy made a, a shot or a free throw or something, and the ref's like, "Oh, like, you know, man, definitely took the was, under or something like that." Was that not a? Uh, oh yeah, what's his name? Oh my gosh, uh, was that not Eric Lewis? Also, no. no, it wasn't Eric Lewis. I saw a tweet that uh, said, "Oh, this is why Eric Lewis is blah 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 blah." I remember that where the guy was like, "Ah, oh, Jimmy." Yeah, and it's not. It's not even that. like one of like the refs that you know. It's not a Zach Zarva. It's not a Guwap. You know, it's not a Tony yeah, it's Brothers. It's not Scott Foster or anything oh. like that. Oh my oh, goodness! Oh. I cannot wait to see who's refing that game seven. Yeah, that's Eric Lewis. <laughs> oh, <laughs> hey. <laughs> If it's Eric Lewis, I know Christian's gonna be happy. The NBA scriptwriters have have it good right now, man. Oh man! Yeah. You know, if, if you revenue. if you couldn't get the Lakers, you're gonna at least get you're gonna at least get one of them. Dude, that's crazy. But yeah, I, that, I feel like they're gonna, they're gonna make history. I think as I, much as I want the Heat to win, truthfully, because just like I love the underdog story. I do, I do too. I I just want to live with the fact that the Bucks got beat by the best team in the East. But, you know, we'll yeah. see. Which, I mean, man, Game 7 is going to be nutty. They just need... They just need Bam and Jimmy to just... To show you know, up. Knock up. Yeah, yeah. show up. Because, I mean, you, you're seeing Jalen Brown really started... He didn't, like, have a crazy, crazy game. But, considering the struggles he's had throughout the entire playoffs, that was, that was a solid first half from him. You know, obviously in the second half, a little bit of foul trouble, but... You know, if I'm the Heat, I'm thinking like, oh, it's starting to get a little bit of rhythm. And then if Marcus Smart is shooting like that from three the way he did, holy. But I will say, Jason Tatum has beaten the Paul George allegations. Not that being compared to Paul George is any kind of knock, but I think just considering, you know, how he's kind of touted as, you know, most well-rounded guy in the league right now, rarely any kind of flaws. You know, I, I think he's shown that he's not only a guy that could have been drafted first overall, but is truly like a generational like product in every sense of the word. Because, I mean, you're looking at the body of work he has, the kind of records he holds as a Celtic. I think he's already got more points than Larry Bird, which is insane, first of all. But then, too, I mean, when you look at like Jason Tatum's career, you know, I've heard a lot of podcasts say... When Jason Tatum's on the team, or you when look at the Celtics, the floor is the conference finals. And I think that goes two ways in terms of like people talking about how uh, if they don't win, they're going to have to, you know, blow it up, things of that nature. But man, Jason Tatum, I think you can really tell there's, I don't know if a sense of urgency is the right way of wording it, but, you know, considering the lackluster kind of finals he had last year, man, that dude is hooping, hooping. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's been great. Yeah. That's always it. I mean, really, I think that what it comes down to is just the fact that he is capable of influencing the floor if he's not doing the thing that he's supposed to do. You know, if he's not being the star, he's 
he's stopping people on the other end. He he actually is like, I'd say a plus like disher like on the floor. You know, sorry, I'm not thinking of the right word, but he gets he moves the ball around. He obviously gets those offensive rebounds, and I think he like is able to be like that spacer on the floor. Even like he can play off the ball. Uh, I just think he is kind of like. You know, I think I don't want to put this in the wrong context, but he is like a more polished version of what you maybe saw in like Kobe Bryant. You know, like at that at that age, like obviously, like the age comparison is different. Like I think Kobe Bryant in his later years was definitely a bit of a different player, but like I think it's just. Man, now I gotta really back this up. Yeah, because wait, yeah, not, Tatum's what twenty five, and at wait, that point, I, I think I know what 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 Chin is trying to say because at this age, he has almost every part of his game, almost every part of his game is tight. Yeah. Like he has the ability, he has the ability to handle the ball. He can post up. He can play off ball. He can defend the other side. Um, he can play make. Um, I wouldn't say that at settled an elite level, but like he draws a lot of attention. Uh, he draws a lot of attention for defenses, why, which is why he's great off ball. He can obviously create at three levels. Like I think when he when Winston's talking about polish, it's like he has it. And in whatever situation, Jason Tatum is the kind of guy that it's like uh, there's no significant weakness. I think. His weakness is himself for being a player that too often relies heavily on the jump. Excuse me, the jumper, and I think that his game would benefit so much more from from more diversity in his offense because he can do it. Um, which is why, like, I know he's great, but there's part of me that still separates him quite, quite massively between him and Kevin Durant is because the level of diversity in their offense is quite different. And Tatum can get his, like, obviously he's been a great scorer, like, since he's been, like, in the league. But, like, there's, again, I think uh, diversity is the wrong word, but, like, variety, variety in the offense is really important. And that what sets the precedence. And I think that's part of why the Celtics team, like, has struggled many times because they live and die by the same shot over and over again. Versus, like, yeah. having the variety within their offense and playing a different style of basketball. Um, mm-hmm. But... Tatum's the kind of guy literally you just go, all right, like take me somewhere. And he yeah. can do it. Well, Kobe could probably do that in his beginning years. Yeah. And I think that's what maybe it was what I think I'm trying to get at as well, adding to that is just the fact that like I think in those years where Shaq left and Kobe was the man, like they lived and died by a shot. There was days where Kobe would yeah. shoot LA LA out of the game. Much like how Jason Tatum honestly shoots the Celtics out of the game sometimes just yeah. by beat. And I think what I think is more polished is that because obviously he has that bigger structure and, you know, more of like a, a three than a two presence, he's able to at least pick up a little more on the boards and obviously a lot more on the defensive end. And obviously Kobe was one of the greatest defenders for a two guard, but I think Tatum is able to at least influence the game a bit further. For, for what he is. But he definitely shoots his team out of the game a lot of the time, I will admit. That's still a crazy statement, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because... I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm still just, sitting I'm here I'm just saying there's like, comparison to be made. Well, 
Yeah, I understand the comparisons. Yeah, because you know, he is the Kobe disciple. He's cut from he's cut from that cloth offensively, mentally. I think that's still something that could be that could be teetered on. Yeah, but man, I mean, but there's not many people like Kobe and Mike, man. Like I don't know if there's Jimmy motherfucking Butler who's like him. Yeah, 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 yeah. Man, Tatum, I think is. He's a guy that's definitely beating all. He's, I think he's silenced a lot of the doubt. You know, I mean, you have that one kind of. I don't remember. It was get. It was this series, right? It was like oh for nine heading into the fourth, and then sixteen clutch points. That was a series, right? Like like a. Is that game. Five or four. Y'all don't talk about. I don't know if I do because I know he did that last series. Oh, might have been might have been last series then. No, yeah, I, th- I think it was where he's like humbly, I'm one of the best players in the league. Yeah, yeah. And then he, my bad. He added up to fifty by the last last bit there. Mm. I mean, I I got one question for y'all. If the Heat win, who do you think wins co- like conference finals MVP? Because I think there's a big conversation to be said that it could be Caleb Martin. Because that dude's so... The story with the whole, like, J. Cole calling up Karan. Now you're seeing him drop 20. He's averaging, like, 54% from the three or something along those lines. It's been great for him to see. You know, expecting him to have a big role in this game seven. But, man, I think that's another thing that speaks to how, like, the stars for Miami haven't really shown up at all. And I mean, I'm just so, I'm excited for this game, man. I can't wait for it to be, I just want it to be 5.30 tomorrow already. I think Caleb Martin's probably, like, he's a good choice. But the media pundits and the game behind the scenes are never going to give it to anyone other than Jimmy Butler and Bam. Yeah, yeah. I have the same exact thought. That was literally what I was thinking. Like, if if it were like you know not a media, if this was like a basketball league that was only watched by us three, then (laughs) Caleb (laughs) Caleb Martin would get it. We make all the decisions. Giannis, Jason Tatum, and Pascal Siakam are all co MVPs. Hundred percent, man. But oh my god Devin Book is not an all-star yeah, yeah that, well, mar- hey that brother ball this year though oh yeah, yeah, yeah. no but I, I like Chin's right man like it's just I don't think it's just not a sexy name and if they're trying to promote the next series they don't want to go in and say well you know what we're really excited the Western Conference MVP Jokic taking on the Heat led Caleb by Martin. Caleb Martin <laughs> what if what if in a hypothetical okay think of this game seven on the line heading into the fourth quarter you know Jimmy's got a smooth you know we'll say 27 and 5 Caleb Martin got a 30 ball He's dropping, he's dropping bombs on the on the Celtics. Ends the game with forty piece. Then they might have to give it to Caleb. <laughs> I think there's like such like extreme circumstances that they've got to give it to Caleb. Like, yeah, of course, if he's literally like the guy getting buckets, and he's been he's been getting buckets. But I think there's like just the level of the name that Jimmy has. And... 
you're I mean, right. You're right. I, I just wanted why... to have the conversation. But yeah, yeah I get it right. though. But I mean, there's also a reason why the role players are are fallen because they don't have any attention on them. All the attentions on Jimmy Touché. and uh, on Bam, and to some extent, Gabe Vincent. Um, so that's what yeah. I'd say. All right. Let's, last thing before we talk a little bit about the Lakers. What's your guys' prediction? Let's go like full score and everything. What's your guys' pick? Mm. I'm 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 saying right now, it's one oh nine eighty nine Boston Celtics. Damn! <laughs> I, I wouldn't be surprised at a blowout. Um, yeah, because that's, that's a lot of momentum. That's a lot of momentum. I think um, Jason Tatum is at a point where he's just not going to allow himself to lose for this in this fashion like he i wouldn't be surprised if he comes out with a 40 piece tomorrow a oh. light 40 piece yeah i'd say Jalen goes for 30 tomorrow too i think yeah goes for the, the jays i think take care of business i think they found some confidence but uh um, I, I think miami goes down swinging though i i will say yeah, Miami. I was gonna say something like ninety-nine to ninety-seven, Miami. You think another grinded yeah. out one? Okay. I think oh, it's Miami. Yeah, <laughs> I say Miami. I'm only going Miami because, of, of course, you'll take the Celtics. It's really hard, dude. Okay. It's so hard to cheer against a team who just won three straight. Yeah. Is about to go home. Oh in a man, game that's the biggest with thing. With all the momentum on their side, like if you're talking about like intimidation factor. Like, you already know, like, if you're the Miami Heat and you step into that building, that the pressure is all on you to perform. So the Celtics, at this point, historically, were not supposed to be here. Like, they're done 0-3, and now they've made it a series, and now they have the opportunity to take the series from you. When you had three chances, or, yeah, you have four chances, four chances. to you win the you, series. You know what I'm looking forward to? That one-shot mid-game where it's just a row. You got, like... Paul Pierce, KG, Tony Allen, maybe Ray Jean's there. You know, you know, KG and and Ray Allen, and they made up too. So maybe he's there as well. There's just gonna be all the Celtic legends. I think are gonna show up, and that's gonna be why it's gonna be 110, 107, Miami Heat, Jimmy Butler, or no, we'll say 110, 109, Jimmy Butler three to win the game. Redemption from last year, baby. Give me that, dude. That would be a scene. This, game seven, uh, game winner, Jimmy Butler might take it over Kawhi's. Actually, Kawhi's bounces were pretty insane. No, nah, that 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 one is like. But that's. I think if you replay that shot, nine hundred ninety nine other times it does not go in. No. But, but I there's mean, still, that, that one. Okay, if Jimmy hits this game seven to go to a conference final, I mean to go to the NBA final, that's got to be one of the biggest shots in NBA history, though. Oh yeah. Oh, no yeah. doubt. But, it, like, you could say the same thing about Jason Tatum on the other end. Let's say it's tied up and Tatum hits the game-winning shot. I feel like it'll be, for sure, a, a grinded-out, go-down-to-the-wire game, for sure. 100%. Yeah, that's all I really want. I don't I don't want it to be some... The team's down by 23 heading into the half and, like, all look kind of lackadaisical. Hundred percent. I do not <laughs> want no Phoenix Suns bullshit, man. That's a dirty look. I actually tore them apart. That was so funny, man. Hey, man, the Europeans own Phoenix. Giannis, really? Jokic, Luca. 
They, they can't fuck with the Balkans. I think that's what the area is called. But, alright, just to, you know, get it out the way since the last time we talked, this series was still going on. Nuggets and Lakers, because, I mean, man. I remember watching Game 4, and I was like, oh, LeBron is LeBroning. Yeah. And, uh, AD, uh, it went AD from... Was- Ruben, well, what did you say? Let, let, remind the people, I said, man. I said before before this, I said he was the best player in the playoffs. I said he was the best player in the playoffs. He he was looking like it, especially in that Memphis series. Yeah, and, and even the second round, I just like he was playing really well. And it looks like we were wrong about who's going to guard Anthony Davis because, man, the dude couldn't even guard Jokic. So, I mean, Leokic is a special talent. This series was really interesting to me because I think it just showed that um, as good as AD had been, it's clearly not sustainable. <clears throat> and I think there's a part of the Lakers where, man, like, LeBron can't keep doing this, man. Like, if he's going to be the guy that can... The way that he played in the first half of Game 4, you would hope, you would hope that somebody shows up in the second half. You're arguably your third best player came off the bench. AD had been playing really up and down inconsistently all series long. Um, obviously struggling with obviously not the not the sense of size, but the the length and the girth of the Denver Nuggets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, you like that word girth? Girth's a good word. Yeah, girthy, but it's right up there with moist. <laughs> So girthy, moist boys in the altitude of the Denver Nuggets. <laughs> but bro, that's yeah. your point. <laughs> uh, just saying they're girthy, man. But anyways, I um, think uh, JJ Redick made a point about this too, where like the girth. He... No, about Anthony <laughs> Davis, bro. God, yo, stop saying, stop it with that, bro. <laughs> But no, he's just saying like he's an all NBA player and he's this all star caliber player, but he just is not an alpha. That's the way he said it. Like AD is just not an alpha. Yeah. And I think in other words, he just can't hang, you know, like oh. he's still a great, he's a great player. But I think for like, you know, the last few years, people have still put him in the same conversation as Giannis, Jokic and Embiid. When I think he's just a step below, I personally think so. Like, I think he can be that guy at times, but the thing is, with Giannis man. Jokic, yeah, it's not sustainable. Whereas Giannis Jokic and maybe Embiid, I don't, I don't personally like like to talk like Embiid is like that. Maybe in the regular season, but yeah, I, I think Embiid he he stepped down a tier with, with well. this with this playoff yeah. run. But yeah, AD just. I don't think he can hang when it comes to like being that player that people need. Like Jokic showed up like every single game, whereas AD just doesn't show up every game. And I think that's the easiest way to put it. That sucks to here, man. Because man, I he remember that guy. AD coming out of college, like the unprecedented unicorn type of shit he was doing, crazy. And even looking at like Anthony Davis is a bust by no means. But I think just looking at what was foreseen, you know, multiple MVPs, DPOYs, the generational talent, which he definitely was. But I, I agree. Yeah, I, I think 
he, he don't got that dog in him. Yeah, there's a level of hand holding you got to do with AD. Yeah. yeah, it just you know, I he was a great second piece to LeBron. Um, but he LeBron can't be the first guy anymore. Like it's got to be in a place where AD's got to be the alpha. And quite frankly, he showed that he's not a number one option ever in his career, and he never will be. And that's fine. But clearly, you can't do this way right now. So, like LeBron's also getting older. I mean. Are we going to bring up the elephant in the room that he basically talked about potentially retiring? See, like, I don't think he's going to. I think that is just that tomorrow. was just a a thing to one kind of King. To, to wash away any talk of them getting swept. Yes, and yes. to two, give him all the leverage in the world. Yeah, Rob Palenka is not the GM of that team. It's Le GM, baby. He manipulated that whole situation for 100%. sure. Hundred percent. But I, yeah, I don't know. Like, I think if I were to ask you guys, because off the top of my head, I have a number of things that I want to say. I mean, we're and we're focusing on the Lakers right now. Like, we got to give the Flyers to Denver. I think it's really hard. It's I think like someone was talking about. Oh, why haven't we talked about the Nuggets all that much? And I just want to talk about this because I feel like this has been on my mind for a while. Yeah, yeah. Is there a reason why Denver didn't get the Flowers in this series? And not to their any fault. But it's just the fact that they literally have been the best team in the league. And I think the regular pundits or people like us who love the game already knew that Denver was damn good. And they very much had a chance. And we said it multiple times this year, too, in our podcast, that they're probably going to get really far this year. This, this is the year. Like, they got far. Like, they're in the finals now. And it's it's not a shock that they beat the Lakers. Um, obviously the story is surrounding the fact that the Lakers finally made it like with LeBron James the story is always going to be, he needs to win a championship. Like that's what he's playing for. So like, why did they, how did they get so far and come up so short in the end with the way that they finished that series? Right. So it's like, you know, the conversation of course is going to hang on the fact that this team was so good up until a point where they met someone just so much better than them. So how big is the gap in the Western conference? Clearly it's huge. Because there's not another team that was even close to Denver this year. So, I mean, is Denver by far, like, you might not say they're the sexiest names, but they might be a super team with the way that they're constructed. Like, I, I, like is that a hot take? Like, I don't know. I, like, I, feel like they're cons- I feel like they're a super team. I feel that too. And, and I mean, man, to consider, like, the scope of everything and considering that, I don't know if y'all have seen, some people are saying if Jokic wins this ring... It's on par with like a Dirk level thing. I don't know if I yes. necessarily agree with that. I, I think it's definitely in the realm. But man, yeah. Denver. I would agree with that though. You, you think it's because, like dude, par for par? There's no one. He's got a triple double. He's averaging a triple double in the playoffs. Like, oh my God. Like the way he's playing, like there's, he makes the game look so easy from an eye test. Like there's nobody that can guard him. Like he's making the game look so easy for his teammates. I mean, he had a triple double this series against Anthony Davis. I, mean, I think that and he, about he hasn't player. he hasn't been a uh, what's the word a liability defensively. He's he's been able to hang, and that was his one weakness. Like coming into these playoffs mm. and saying like like Jokic can't guard the rim. Like he's not an intimidating presence. But like also the reason why I was saying super team is because the team's constructed so well on both ends. Like you could have said AG and Jamal Murray, Jamal Murray with the way he's playing. All-star caliber. We all know he's an all-star caliber player. And um, Aaron Gordon could have made an all-star game this year. 
and he was deserving of it. People talked about him being deserving of an all-star appearance this year. And then you put together Michael Porter Jr., who's still... If MPJ can definition... get back to, like, that second, third-year MPJ... Oof. Well, by definition, he is a guy that is, that is still elevating and developing into supposedly what everyone thought was going to be an all-star talent. So it's like, if you really look at it, you're looking at f- four all-star players on this team. By like, caliber-wise, not talking about like their actual accolades. And then depth and coaching. It reminds me so much of the 2019 team, truthfully. Of the Raptors. Ooh. It reminds me of the Detroit Pistons in 2004. Um, like They've got the best player. They've got all-stars surrounding it. But players, people that don't necessarily see as sexy... They've got the coaching. Um, 2011, like, I think was the best example you gave, and I would actually say it's very close to that because Jokic is playing at a level there's absolutely nothing you can do about it. Kawhi, Dirk, like, very few performances have been like that for a whole playoffs. Yeah, I feel... Uh, I think the only reason I, like, hesitant, I think it's just because of the story-wise, which I think is kind of, like... Yeah, that's not really fair in, like, the grand scheme of things. But, man, this playoff run for the Nuggets has been special. Big guy I think deserves a lot of credit is Bruce Brown. Bruce Brown yeah. has been, like, there's 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 that yeah, kind of guy on every kind of, like, on every championship team, man. Yeah, I didn't know he had a bag, bro. Bro, like that's what I'm saying, too. The dog's got a bag. Like, he's got a bag. Like, he could get to the rim. He could create his own he was, shot. He was cooking, man. Oh. I feel like he's unleashed. And I think a lot of that has to do with how Michael Malone's style of play is very free. Mm. And, um, you know, that so, the freedom style is like a, is a pro and a con in itself. But, yeah, man. Bruce Brown. Christian Braun, Brown. Like, you weren't ex- like, no one expected that dude to break out the way he has. Like, their level play, like, their guys are playing, like, at a really high level. And, like, you're peaking at the perfect time, too. Mm-hmm. I hope they're able to retain Bruce Brown, though. He's on a crazy steal of a deal. And, and he's got a player option this year. I imagine that he declines that. Uh, I think he's out. I just hope he, like, does it to just stay with him a bit more, though. But I think also yeah. somebody's probably going to throw him a crazy bag. He deserves it. I mean, no I doubt. think clearly he's he's the guy that deserves it, so... Lakers, man, what do you guys do about the Lakers? Like, what is your if you're if you're Rob Polinka right now, both of you, what are you doing? What is your first course of action bro, to improve the team? LeBron, that you well, what do you of, want? Just get rid of AD, bro. I'm telling you, like, I if you do if you want to go places, you do not rely on AD for your future. I'm sorry, like, the only reason they have gotten so far is because they've been thrown a hail mary of a trade deadline like they were not meant to be here too you know like they somehow they got this wonder white kid that just joined the team somehow d'angelo russell billy kobe like d'angelo russell rejoins them jared vanderbilt like they got a steal of a deal in that trade i still don't know how they pulled it off man no i don't even understand it's it's because they they got the laker discount man I'm saying like they were not meant to be here but I think if you really want to actually see a future with the team not that the Lakers have ever been the t- type of team to really rebuild properly 
I would get rid of Anthony Davis, but they're not getting rid of Anthony Davis. I I think they keep the same roster, but they should get rid of Anthony Davis. Yeah, to add on to that, I think there's a difference between what I want to happen and what I think is going to happen. I think what's going to happen is that as big a load of bullshit as it is, I think they do try to their best to make a run at a guy like a Kyrie. Trey Young, I think, is a smokescreen. I think that's like, how? That that's the one where I'm like, I don't know about that. <laughs> like literally, how? 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 <laughs> how? You get that job done? I don't even think you can trade that number seventeen pick because you traded all your other ones. Yeah. What? Yeah. I Speaking of that pick, I hope they pick someone because I think, man, when you look at the talent that's in this upcoming draft, there's a lot of guys Focus that could be really, really good. Yeah. And I, I hope they manage to retain Austin Reeves. If I was a Lakers fan, oh man! If if I'm if I'm the Lakers, you already let one crazy good white boy go. You can't let another one slip through the cracks. You know what I'm saying? Would you go as far as to say that's their top priority this season is retaining Austin Reeves, considering how well he showed himself in the playoffs? Like, I think he's got the the ability to be a feature player in this league. Oh yeah, that's, I'd go as far as to say oh, yeah. that he is. I mean, I, I think that obviously if you're just looking at it from the standpoint of like if LeBron's staying, if that's guaranteed, because I think he is, does he have a player option this year or he's? I believe he's got a PO this year. Mm. I think once you kind of get more of a headspace around that, what's going to happen there, then obviously, yeah, Austin Reeves is the main target. He's the guy that... You're going to want to be able to retain. He's the guy that you're going to have to throw the bag at. I mean, you. I think you just hope that. LeBron's got a 20 uh, player option in 24, 25. So is next year, next year guaranteed? guaranteed. Yeah, guaranteed money, yeah. Mm. And I don't, I don't see him then getting traded because he's got like some kind of crazy ass like kicker if he does. So yeah, I, I guess you look to see what, you know, what they do with that. And, and I think that's a big reason why they, Maybe a big reason they're doing it, or LeBron said what he said, is like, wants to make sure Austin Reeves gets that break. So I, I think he's definitely the main priority. Another guy I hope they're able to retain, but is a player I think they might get priced out of, Dennis Schroeder. Dennis Schroeder, I think, was a really, really good acquisition this year. And, you know, blessing in disguise, whether you like it or not, with the fact that he turned down ADMs, definitely not going to get anything near that. But, I mean, he he was a guy that was able to you know, he's Dennis the Menace. He's a guy that can play off the bench in your starting lineup, hit timely shots. He's he's just that guy. I love watching him play. And I, th- I think he seemed like the kind of guy I think would take a little less money to, you know, stay in this kind of situation, especially if LeBron's still, like, going to be there. But I think Austin Reese is the main priority. And I think just by the grace of God, by every possible, you know, kind of, favor you can call in you got to get off a deal somehow you know yeah i think he's i think he's still a very like i think he's a quality player still i just i think think so too i i just don't know if his future is like because i I think he's a guy that really needs the ball in his hands as much as like you know he's matured as a player you know, you, you've seen with how, like, his first runaround with the Lakers went to see where he was able to get his way back. 
had a few clutch moments, had a few like good, like good timely games and all that. I, I just don't think his play style suits this team that already has LeBron who commands a lot of the ball. And Austin Reza really showed his chops as like a pure passer. And I, I just think you, you look to get off of a guy like D'Lo and you hope to bring in, uh, can't think it. I'm not going to lie. This is definitely not, if you do this, you would be looked at as probably one of the craziest teams, but look to a guy like Evan Fournier. I hate to admit it, but you, you need those kind of guys that are purely there to catch and shoot, play a little bit of D. Yeah. yeah. I, I think, I think like I look into that. I mean, I think one of their biggest, bigger priorities as well is Rui Hachimura. I mean, oh, <clears throat> he played himself. Hachimura well is going to get a bag. He's going to get a bag from somebody. Yeah. He's going to get a bag from somebody. Um, a lot of interesting things. I think their one asset they've got is D'Lo, and I think because he needs a ball in his hands, it's very difficult for him to find success in ultimately the scheme of what they're trying to do. And when LeBron is deferring, like he's able to play well, but a lot of the times LeBron controls the offense, and that's where you need a guy like Anthony Davis to be great. And then you need those you know serviceable serviceable role players. And at times D'Lo, when LeBron deferred to him, he was great, but that's very few in between. So, um, you know, Kyrie is a guy that actually fits what they're doing because he's actually quite good off the ball. Um, it's interesting where Tilo would go in the situation. I don't know what, man, like it, let's say Tilo is their one asset. I mean, I, I can look around the league and I sit here and think like what team it's like the same thing with the Russell Westbrook deal is like both guys clearly have a lot of like quality, ability and are still serviceable and quality players but it's like dude what team is willing to take them on in their contract so i mean tough i mean if you look around the, around the league i don't know if there's a team that would take him other than him being a six man off the bench but would you want to pay the amount of money that you're going to pay for a guy like Tilo to come off the bench like before i look at his money how much he's making 31 i mean <clears throat> He's also, yeah, I forgot. He's also expiring. So there's a sign and trade up opportunity there as well. So it's tough, man. It's tough. A lot of the players are actually, you know, expiring. So the Lakers are in trouble. Hey, man. That's why you get Max Christie up in there. Who's a guy I think it can be, can be a serviceable player for them for sure. Yeah. I mean, they've got some nice young prospects. I think if they were to rebuild, I think now is the time. Mm. Except for so. the fact they have no picks, but how I feel like they're they're about to get back into like owning some of their picks, though. No, they are. Well, they're beyond the twenty-seven. They're going to get their picks. That sounds that so, sounds right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're going to get some stuff back, but I mean, they could also they also still have some players that they can turn into draft capital. Um, but yeah. I mean, Anthony Davis is also their biggest asset, like Chip was saying. Like, if they're going to, like, he's their best bet to improve this roster, like, up top to bottom rather than right up top. So, I mean, I like what they had personally, um, but I think just some tweaks there, and I think they're able to be a contender again. Yeah, I feel like if you just get off D'Lo and get more of, like, a pure shooter... You run this back, and I think they'd be very successful. 
no doubt. You know, uh, uh, Tyus Jones is a perfect fit for this Lakers roster. Oh, Tyus Jones deserves to be a starting point guard somewhere. Yeah, I agree. But considering uh, the parade inside that city, might have to hold on to Tyus. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. But regardless, that has been another episode of the Black Top Podcast. We appreciate y'all listening in, boys. Any last things y'all trying to say? Miami Heat, Game 7, making history 8th seed versus Jokic and the Nuggets, where the Nuggets will win in five games. <laughs> Miami, get ready for some back shots. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. Dang, that's as good as any, any as any. With that, stay safe, stay blessed. We'll see y'all soon.